What's up everybody? This week we take a look at the adventure game that set the standard for future adventure games in its genre. The Secret of Monkey Island. That and a whole lot more is to come, because maybe I am still selling these fine leather jackets. Welcome to the show. You know, leather jacket salesmen still don't get the respect that they deserve, even though that they uh, should be doing. Hi, everybody. Hope everybody is doing well this fine Saturday. I'm not sure what date it is, actually, but, uh, oh, well, never mind. I am sitting here. Uh, I am not alone, however. I am joined by Dexter Duran. Dexter, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, good to get another new voice on. We had uh, Luke last week. Now we got Dexter this week. It is really, really good. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about... Not Star Wars, we're going to be talking about Monkey Island, but before we get on with that, um, I wanted to say a couple of things and uh, just kind of get a couple of things up to date. Uh, first things first, I know we're behind with the YouTube channel. Uh, give me a couple of days to do it. We've just been so busy, like I said, moving into a new studio, getting everything personally taken care of. It's just been a royal, royal pain. Um, one of the things I would be do, I want to do, and I, I need to know, man, if this is a good idea or not. Um, 90s games. One of the things to do on the YouTube channel, do walk through a 90s game. So things like uh, Mario Kart, Donkey Kong, even Monkey Island. You think it's a good idea? Absolutely. Sweet, man, sweet. So that's what I'm going to be doing, uh, looking into getting that stuff together. And, you know, but we got to start off this week with some some bad news. Some some really sad news. Uh, the world lost Stan Lee this week. And he was 95 years old. Um, man creatively one of the most creative minds in the history of creativity you know everybody goes on about disney but i think uh stan lee actually beats him in the creativity department yeah he um i mean responsible for just so many different facets of uh the comic and graphic novel mediums that exist now that that didn't exist then but i mean no. even though he may have not directly created most of them he's indirectly very responsible for a lot of it definitely he it's it's you know um yeah, I mean, one of the good things, too, I think, from from my own personal standpoint is, you know, he was in his 30s when he started doing some of his, his bigger projects. So, you know, that, that does leave people like myself who is, you know, who 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 want to do great things and thinking that are a little bit too old, uh, you know, well, hey, he was older than I was when he made Iron Man, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, man, it's, you know, and, and you yourself have got a unique tribute to him uh, as well, am I right? Yeah, um, I, uh, you know, I'm 36, uh, and I, I don't have uh, any, or I didn't have any tattoos uh, up to this point. Never really had a, an interest in getting any, but uh, when I was, I think, 25 or 26, um, I just kind of made this, uh, kind of had this thought that um, when people that had shaped kind of who I am through my childhood or whatever, uh, when they passed, I would, I would get a tattoo with some sort of symbol that meant uh, something to me that's from from that person and so uh on my list uh, there are seven people on my list and, and the very first one is stan lee and um because i grew up watching you know the saturday morning x-men cartoons when i was in elementary school and that you know bled into me getting the comics and getting all the trading cards and x-men and by association spider-man and a lot of the other ones just became such a big part of my life um that when he died, I wanted to get uh, an X-Men tattoo of some type. Nothing big, just something small and simple, just like a little tribute. And so when I got the news on my phone on Monday, um, Stan Lee, you know, dies at age 95. The first thought in my head was, oh, God, I've got to go get a tattoo now. Um, <laughs> but and, and what was frustrating to me, because I knew that because I again, I have fear of needles and, and, and yeah. I don't very low tolerance of pain. And so that's probably why I was 36 with no tattoos. Um, but when that happened, I was like, you know, this will be, I'll, I'll use the mourning and the pain of Stanley's death, uh, to push me through getting it. Um, so I, uh, called a buddy of mine and was like, Hey, uh, where do I go get a tattoo? Uh, and he's like, who died? Cause he knew about the list and he was like, who died? And I was like, Stanley. And he was like, Oh man, oh, that sucks. Uh, but you know, I got hooked up and unfortunately because it was veterans day, all the tattoo shops were closed. Oh, and so I couldn't do it right then so but i was able to make an appointment for the very next day right when they opened one o'clock and so i walked in very nervous shaking the whole time and um you know but i have my plan a little it's just all, and all it is is just the little x-men logo it's a black just the circle with the x um because the x-men were were such a big part of my childhood 
and not just the entertainment, the reading of the comics, the watching yep. the show and everything, but just the fact that that instilled in me the lesson that Stanley wanted to teach with X-Men was because you shouldn't hate people because they're different. And that's the main central point of X-Men is that people are different. And, you know, through the, the dichotomy of Professor X versus uh, Magneto of, you know, there's there's different ways to treat people who are different in the whole tribalism aspect. Um, but that was very important to me. And that's that's shaped a facet of who I am. And I wanted that memorialized on me and so i have on my right kind of forearm there just a men logo which um took about 30 minutes and was not pleasant and i really <laughs> hope it's a while before my next hero dies because i'm not looking forward to doing another one no, but it, lo- it looks pre- it, lo- it does look really really cool guys it, it really is a great tribute um that, that is a better tribute than what my daughter said um i got the alert and i told my wife that um stan lee had died and her first reaction was damn you thanos so it's like oh god you know so yeah oh man but all right guys well you know stanley may peace be upon him uh legend in the word legend is tossed around so many times you know and he is a bona fide legend and like i said you know everybody talks about walt disney being the most imaginative man he took fairy tales that already existed stanley invented stuff out of his imagination Mm -hmm. so you know that's 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 a shame um yeah. Well, one of the cool things that I liked about Stan Lee uh, is that he was the, I mean, before him, even DC Comics was big, Superman, Batman, and, and this is talked about a lot on YouTube, but I like the fact that he took superheroes to a personal level. Yeah. You know, he wanted to write about superheroes with personal problems. I mean, I think, think Spider-Man's probably the biggest example of that, because Spider-Man, you know, you watch even just the first Tobey Maguire movie, it's, it's about a kid that has nothing but problems. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, and, yeah, X-Men and, and Fantastic Four, which I think was Stan Lee's first kind of foray into into the real superhero creation but all of that uh just he he gave us a new perspective a new lens to view superheroes through which personalized them i think for an entire generation of people yeah because i mean the dc the dc so i don't want to get into to a big deal about my old dc but the dc stuff the the people behind the the, the masks and everything they they always seem detached you know mm-hmm. whereas yeah i mean every, everything that marvel did you know um Spider-Man, you mentioned Spider-Man. I, I love the Spider-Man comics. Um, just, even though, okay, even though DC had more and more real people, the Marvel series had real, as, as you said, real personas, you know? Um, so, for example, you know, Batman, yeah, was, was Bruce Lee, but at the same time, not Bruce Lee, Bruce Wayne. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Very different Batman. Different Batman. Oh, my, Bruce Lee is Batman. That would be good. Anyway. Um, <laughs> One of the things that it, it was explained to me a couple of years ago, and I never really thought about it this way, of the biggest difference versus uh, uh, m- of Marvel superheroes versus DC heroes is, is DC superheroes typically are heroes pretending to be real people. Yes. And Marvel is the opposite. It's real people trying to be heroes. They're more vulnerable. Yes. That's the word you I know, was Because you, you've got Superman who is just, I mean, Clark Kent is just a mask. He's really Superman. And the Clark Kent persona is just, it's not real. And and it's arguably with Batman, too. You know, Bruce Wayne is really messed up in the head. I mean, he became yeah. Batman, and that's all he is in his mind. The whole Bruce Wayne billionaire persona, to him, is just a facade. While in Marvel, it's flip-flopped. It's Peter Parker is really Peter Parker. You know, Tony Stark is really Tony Stark. And they put on the personas of Iron Man and Spider-Man and the X-Men to be something bigger than they are. And I think they touched upon that in the last... Um uh, Avengers movie, you know, it's like, hello, I'm Peter. Hi, I'm Doctor Strange. Oh, we're using our made-up names. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, um, but <laughs> like I said, man, it's it's a it's it's a horrible, horrible loss to the world. And you know what? Mm-hmm. He did teach. He taught, like you said, he taught he taught us how to love people for uh for who they are, and nobody is different. You mm-hmm. know, and that's something that I've lived my life by for the, for for a long time. I know you've led your life by that as well. Um, but you know. He he he's gonna be missed, and yeah, I mean you know, I mean we could go all day about Stanley, yeah, and you know it it, it wouldn't it, we'd find something, but um, yeah. So Stan, like I said, uh, may peace be upon you, rest in peace, whatever it is. Because I feel yeah, yeah actually, because uh, he was Jewish, so rest in peace is not accurate. It's more may peace be upon him. Okay. So, uh, wondering what you learn on Twitter these days, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> But guys, if you were on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, look at Because Maybe Pod, look at our podcast, uh, not our podcast, look at our blog on becausemaybepodcast.wordpress.com, and if you're on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, we're also on there as well. Right now, we're going to take a step back, and we're going to look at one of my favorite games of all time, definitely, 
Uh, we're going to look at the secret of Monkey Island and, and just talk in general about what's going on and how it went about. Review Corner for Gamers. All right, guys, this week we're going to be talking about the uh, secret of Monkey Island. Uh, one of, in my opinion, one of the most underrated game series ever. And a lot of people don't, they don't see it like that because nowadays, you know, we've got all the guns, bloods and guts and everything like that. But this was, I mean, this was a simple game that was so funny that I think it deserves, you know, more, more credit than what it gets, you know? And uh, it, um, I mean, I'm not sure, you know, being a, a, a point and click game, which is what, kind of what we called it, you know, yeah. I'm not really sure what the, the, the real genre of it is, uh, but it was the first point and click game that, that I played. I mean, I, I don't know how, how old were you? What was you? What was your introduction to Monkey Island? Um, my cousin had an Amiga and it was about 1992 and he was already on what was disc three at the time, which was when you're actually on Monkey Island itself. So that was, that was kind of my first introduction to it. The first time I played it independently, I was like, where's the island? <laughs> you know, because, I mean, I was eight. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Mm -hmm. But um, that, was my, that was my introduction to it. And I think the reason I fell in love with this game was, and I'll, I'll be using this analogy a lot, was the humor in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was more than just a simple, as you said, point and click. It was just, the, the reason I love this game, it's a, it, it's, it's a decent game, but it's so funny. Mm-hmm. And not in a an obnoxious kind of way the game's trying to be now, you know. It was just... Okay, the scene in um, the very beginning, right? Where he's talking to the lookout. Mm-hmm. This, the, this the blind guy the on blind, the top Yeah, the, the blind yeah. lookout. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. just... <laughs> you know, it's straight off the bat. This is yeah. cards laid firmly on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, um... But, uh... Yeah, I, I I think that the point and click element is is also you know while these days it's it's considered old, but I think I don't know it was it was it was a great great introduction to video games because it was different. Mm -hmm. I mean you know I mean we grew up with what Mario and Sonic mm -hmm. and everything was just jump jump hit jump 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 hit. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one you had to do more than you know more than that. You had to think. You had to. It, and the game had longevity as far as, I mean, for me at that point, my exposure, and, and I guess this game came out in 90, and I think I was in the fourth grade when I was exposed to it, so it probably would have been about, yeah, 92 or so, um, and it was on a Gateway 2000 computer oh. at my neighbor's house, uh, and it being used to Mario and Sonic and things like that, you know, you would play the game and then you would turn it off, and this game kept going. Yeah. And, you know, it, it being a kid, you know, you... you didn't really couldn't really fathom the depth of a game and a game that seems so simple oh well you just m move this pirate around and talk to people how much can there really be to this game and uh and i i remember the first time i you know i played it or the first time i was exposed to it as a kid i never got past the first three trials really? you know which and I, and I thought you know being a kid i thought that was the entirety of the game because it took hours and hours and hours, and I thought yeah. surely that that's it, that's the whole game. And and it wasn't until much later that I even realized that you could get off the island, <laughs> which I always thought it was so strange to me how you know Melee Island uh, is the island that you start out on and you do so much work on. And then I was like, why is it called the Secret of Monkey Island? What is Monkey Island? And it wasn't until way later I learned you actually have to travel to Monkey Island to beat the game. Yeah, I mean th th that's the thing. Um... I think the largest game around that time was uh, Zelda 2. Mm-hmm. And, or maybe uh, Castlevania, right? Mm -hmm. One of those two games. But even even then, they weren't nearly as long as this game, mm -hmm. you know? And I think part of the reason was that was the platform was really stunned. Because mm -hmm. with, with PC games, even back then, and this is not to go into another debate of PC v console or anything like that, sure. but you did have limitations in uh, consoles that you don't have anymore, mm -hmm. you know? And, I mean, like I said, this game came out on four floppy disks, mm -hmm. which is the equivalent now of a game coming out on four or five DVDs, mm -hmm. you know? So it had so much scope in it, mm -hmm. so much that it could do, and things that, that had never been done before in video mm -hmm. games. Well, and, point, and, and back then, point and click was about as sandbox as you could get with a game. Yeah. You know, you felt there were so many options because, again, you had all of these little commands, you know, look at, pick up, throw, pull, push, all those things. And then you would just move your mouse around the screen 
or, um, or your cursor, you know, what, what, depending on what console you're playing it on. And you would just look for things that you can interact with. It might be a door or a fish yeah. or, <laughs> you know, this one pixel on this side of the screen that you might not even find. Uh, or, or go talk to this pirate and then there'd be options, you know, and, and, and that was the first time for me in a video game where, you know, you could, you would choose what to it would give you options of what to say to a person. And, you know, the, there would be option A, which would further the plot and option B, which further the plot and then option C is like, let's just derail this conversation for humor's sake. Uh, and you could just keep doing that uh, and get the, get the characters, which are mostly pirates in this game to just say the most ridiculous things. My favorite one out of everything, out of all that, is like right at the beginning. You've got the guy um, with the missing eye, and he's standing, and you could, and his picture is the guy missing eye and a hook. Oh, meat hook, yeah. And then he's mm-hmm. asked, no, not meat hook, just uh, one of the guys in the in the original. Oh, in the sk- tavern, yeah, yeah. And they say, um, what what happened to your eye? Well, you know, we have an adults tournament, and hey, wait a minute, no, I don't know you well enough. And you think you think, hey, what happened to your eye? He's got the hook there. It's going to be a hook based joke, yeah. And they flipped it to, oh no, d- d- grog and, dr- and darts don't mix, right, right. You know? <laughs> and, and even grog. I mean, I don't know if I had never heard of grog before the game, and I don't know if grog is something that kind of. It's definitely European slang. Okay. Because um, it certainly was something you know. I mean, here in America, like. Grog to me, when I hear the word grog, I think of Monkey Island. Yeah, and and that's the thing too. Grog was, I guess, I guess. Okay, from my from my experience, and one of my uncle's friends was nicknamed Grog, so you know, I can I can uh, I, I, I come from that angle. It was more like homemade alcohol. Okay, and so like like when he says, "Well, oh, what's in the what's in the drink?" Well, you've got brake fluid, uh, rum. A stardust, mud, you know, and, and mm-hmm. all the ingredients that he puts in there. And it's like, yeah, that's pretty much how homebrew in the UK and Europe work. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing, too. This this game wasn't a big success in America, but in Europe, this game took, like, by storm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was one of the most popular games. It was definitely one of the most popular games on the Amiga. And, you know, the, the Amiga did have some good titles. They had Zool and they had um, James Pond. And a couple of other things, but like this is one of the games that was definitely made for for a computer like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things too was you know it was made by Lucas, right? Yeah, Lucas Arts. And while at the time they just done like things like Howard the Duck and you know Indiana Jones on the movie on the movie wide and everything like that, the video games that they were producing up, they did something called a Manic Mansion. They did an Indiana Jones game mm-hmm. which used the same formula. Mm-hmm. But without the humor. Yeah. But as soon as they started cracking jokes in there, mm-hmm. you know, again, it, it just added that extra layer to it. Mm-hmm. Because the other two games didn't sell well, partly because people thought they were boring. Mm-hmm. So one of the things about point and click games is you had more control, but it just felt a little more... Sterile? Yeah. But then they added the humor in and the pirate concept. Yeah. And that took it off to the next level. Well, talking about the pirate concept, I mean, the fact that they, you know, pulled this game from... Uh, the the ride yes. the Disney ride um, which I was actually explaining that to someone the other day and they were calling they were calling my bluff they're like no 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 there's no way because I was originally talking about the Pirates of the Caribbean movies that came out in the early 2000s um, and I said you know if you look at this game you know of course the movie came from the ride but there's actually a middleman in that yeah. is that the the Pirates of the Caribbean movies were based on the, the My Secret of Monkey yeah. Island video game franchise, which was based on Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride. And if you look in a lot of those movies, there are a lot of scenes that actually are drawn directly from the fran- the Monkey Island franchise, like the the voodoo lady that lives in yeah. the swamp. Um, <clears throat> you which was the worst th- pirate I've ever heard of. Oh, but you've heard of me. You yeah, know, exactly. Stupid stuff like that, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, I mean, it is weird where inspiration comes from. It, it is a circle of inspiration. Because now I think that if they ever made a Monkey Island movie... Would it be like the Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it would. But well, And even Orlando Bloom's character, you know, such a naive pirate. Yeah. Uh, it would be hard to do Guybrush Threepwood not, and people think of Orlando Bloom. Oh, definitely. I mean, it, it, his character was completely and utterly, I don't say ripped off, but it was, it, it had a lot of Guybrush in there. It did. It and, did. you know, his, na- his naivete is one of the, the central plots of the game. Mm-hmm. And... But it's just so funny, like, you know, his, his aspiration is to be a pirate. A mighty pirate. A mighty pirate. Mm-hmm. But pirates are supposed to be bad people with, you know, bad hygiene and, and not enough, you know, and, and 
No, I'm going to be a mighty pirate. I'm going to be the mightiest pirate who ever pirated. And he doesn't even get close to being what he wants, mm-hmm. but he still becomes the hero. You yeah. Know? And, and, and... Well, and if you follow into the, uh, the, the sequels of the games and get yeah. into, you know, the second game, and I don't know if you ever played the... This, uh, LeChuck's Revenge. I missed the second game, but I played the third. The third. Now, the third one, The Curse of Monkey Island. Yes. Uh, that one is the hardest one to find now because that's the only one they haven't re-released. Really? And the only way to play it, to my knowledge, uh, is to find an original CD-ROM and play it on a Windows computer, which I don't have. Yeah. Um... I mean, you know, they've they they've re-released the original Monkey Island games yes. on the PlayStation Network, which my son has played, uh, and he loves them. I mean, I, I introduced the, him to them, and I mean, he went through them so quickly. Yeah, I mean, I remember a couple of months ago they re-released. Uh, they didn't really release the original version. They re-released the remastered version of it. Well, and yeah. it was like for two bucks on Steam, and I and I got it. And uh, I don't know if that's the same port that they did to the PlayStation Network, but this, and, and I've told people this story before, but one of the coolest remakes to a game ever, in my opinion, is the Monkey Island yeah. remake. Because what they did was you can play through the remastered, remastered fully cel-shaded, animated, voice acting, you know, uh, widescreen aspect ratio version of this game, but at any point you can press the select button and it switches back to the original nice. exactly where you are. And you can literally play through the game with the original graphics, no Sweet. voice animation, and you can move back and forth between the two seamlessly wherever nice. you want. And that to me was an extra level of detail in the programming that I think made it totally worth it for the true fans. Oh, definitely. And the thing is, one of the reasons I'll, I'll, I'll be completely honest, I love the remastered version, mainly because of the voice act. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got the guys who, who did the, the main three characters, they came back through it, but then they got, like, they got Rob Paulson involved. Yeah. Now, for those of you who don't know who Rob Paulson is, he was uh, Yakko, Pinky, um, and a Raphael whole bunch, and the Raphael Ninja Turtles. Raphael and the Ninja Turtles. That's where I knew him from. Yeah. Um, he, and he is a legend in the voice talent like in you know uh he's and he's also one of my heroes i don't know if you knew this or not he recently uh kicked cancer's ass i did not know that he had out of everything for a voice actor to have he had throat cancer oh my god but not only did he beat it it didn't affect his voice so he can still do all that's the characters. incredible yeah um one of the he's also got i don't know he's got a paid podcast which i'm i think he's got a paid podcast let me start that again but um like he he releases clips online where he takes um movie script Iconic scenes from movies, and he interviews another voice actor, mm-hmm. and then it's like, okay, now that we're both here, let's do Silence of the Lamb. You be Bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls, yeah. and I'll be Pinky. Okay, and I had some fava beans, Marv. It's like you know, it just, <laughs> but uh, that to me, that's what made the, the 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 remix so good. But I did not know that. I'm gonna have to look at that next time I uh, mm-hmm. next time I go through this. Um, it's it's. One of, one of the best things that I've ever seen, right? In, in, I don't think I've ever seen it in any other type of game that's not a sports simulator. Mm-hmm. It had a full advertisement for a different game in the first Within scene. the game, yeah. yeah. And you ask this guy a question, hey, how you doing? Yeah. And he's got, is, is, are you talking about the guy, he's got the pin on him? Yeah. He's well, wearing uh, a- Ask me about Loom. Ask me about Loom. <laughs> and, I, and, and I remember being like 10 years old and being like, looking at the people in the room, like my, my buddy, my neighbor buddy, and his mommy like, what's Loom? And they're like, I'm going to ask the guy. And, and, and he just, you would, you would click, ask me about Loom, and he would just launch into this completely unrelated, he would just, he would just derail into this ad about some game uh, and, and, that and I the, never played. No, I don't think anybody, I don't think many people did play, but underneath it, it was like, you know, advertisement, advertisement, mm-hmm. advertisement. Mm-hmm. So you, it wasn't like, oh, they're just shoeholding this in. They knew they were making an advertisement. So let's make another joke about it. Mm-hmm. Um, th- I think that was the last, the last game that used the Scum engine because um, they changed the, 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 the engine when they, um, I think it was the second Monkey Island because they changed the name of the bar that was in there. It was the Scum Bar. Yes, I remember the Scum Bar. Well, when, they, when the bar was um, ransacked and renamed, it was it was because they changed the engine. Okay, and so they just named the new engine after the bar. They named the bar after the new engine. Well, the second game felt identical to the first game. It was the same pixelated graphics, yeah. uh, no voice acting, and I think it was the third game, Curse of Macallan, yeah. where they went to cell shading and and voice acting and th- and full. Well, I say three, two and a half D. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, that second game they actually delved into a little more the backstory of Guybrush Threepwood, and and there was that whole ambiguous ending to the game. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if uh, you having not played the game, I don't know if you want the spoilers or anything of Go that ahead. game. It's, it's, it's a 
almost what thirty year old game. If, if you if you notice <laughs> in in the first Monkey Island, there are modern elements yeah. into a medieval. Well, I say medieval, more of a you know. S- 17th, 18th century. Yeah, yeah, Caribbean style uh, atmosphere, but there will be like a, a Coke machine yeah. or something like that in the background. And so, there, you, you know, she, the first game, you just think it's funny. But in the second game, there becomes a lot more of that. And there's a lot more kind of double speak in talking to the characters yeah. where you start to wonder, like, really, when in time am I? And at the end of the game, the way they end it is that... It's all been a dream, and Guybrush Threepwood is actually a kid at a pirate-themed amusement park. And so that kind of does the call back to him saying, I want to be a mighty pirate. And why because it didn't really make sense. It's because he's a kid, and it's a fantasy for a kid. And so you go back and you look at the first game through those eyes, and you realize that it's a, a kid's fantasy, and all of these amusement park characters are living it out for him. But then at the very tail end, if you watch through that kind of ending of the game where his parents come and find him as a kid and his older brother, LeChuck, Uh. uh, and they leave the park, you see LeChuck look, break the fourth wall, look at the character or look at the look at the, the player playing the game and his eyes glow red. And so you wonder, oh, maybe he's under a spell, and this yeah. actually really is a pirate game that's happening, and, and Guybrush has simply been cursed. And that's when you move to the third game, The Curse of Monkey and, Island. And that's why the third game starts off in LeChuck's ship. Yes. And, you know, yeah. I, I, that opening scene in the third one's also hilarious. Well, with Murray the Talking Skull. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, that game, that game, I remember playing that in high school on my laptop. Yeah. Because I found it. You know, like I didn't realize they had, I, I remember playing the first two games and never realized they'd gone on past that. No. Um, but I remember in high school sitting there and, and that was, you know, uh, this would have probably been around the year 2000. Yeah. And so game FAQs existed and you can go get a walkthrough, which honestly you needed for games like this when you were a kid and you didn't oh, really yeah. realize the, the depth to which you needed to interact with things. I tried playing this. Most walkthroughs of video games that you get, the written walkthroughs anyway, um, you know, they, they, they leave a lot of scope for you to be able to do your own thing. Mm-hmm. And the bad thing about the walkthrough for Monkey Island is because I've completed the game three times, twice by myself. Mm-hmm. And then the third time I completed it, it had been so long since I played it, I, I forgot a couple of things. Mm-hmm. So I went in and got a walkthrough, but it was just then some uh, mechanical. Yeah. It Click the- this, do this, do that. And there was no, no flair in it. And it's just... Uh, but to figure it out by yourself, that that's the achievement, you know, you, mm-hmm. you know, um, but there, it's definitely easy as, as, and, and I love games like this, um, uh, games that are, are, are nerfed where you can't fail, you know, yeah. and it's a game that feels like you could fail, you know, like you're like, oh, well, I needed the, 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 the big pot to interact with this character to continue the game and continue the story. But I accidentally threw the pot off a cliff. And so it's gone. Now what do I do? Do I start the game over? And you're like, no, no, no. You, you've got to walk down there and get, get that pot. pot. The game developers have designed this game to be idiot proof. So you can't mess it up. I think there's only one instance where, and, and they, they, they said they, they only put, they, they had to put in one way that the character could die. And the only way that was, was he makes an interesting comment that, you know, is, again, seems throwaway. Mm-hmm. Hey, I can hold my hold breath, breath for, for 10, 10 minutes. minutes. Okay. What's that got to do with anything? Well, you end up, he ends up shackled to the idol underneath the pier with all these tools just out of reach. Yeah, there's, there's swords and axes yeah. and all kind of things that would be totally perfect for unchaining him from his big ball and chain that he's, yeah. that's weighing him down. So but, uh, if you leave it for 10 minutes, he'll die. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that, that was the only instance in which they could have him killed. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, I thought that was brilliant. It was because, brilliant. you know, hey, you can still die. Well, and but you've got to figure out how to die. That's <laughs> well, and it was one of, I think, probably two instances in the game where time mattered. Yes. Because in a game that's a point and click and a, and a, a, a fetch quest, I mean, you spend so much time aimlessly wandering around that time really can't be a factor. No. But the fact that the game would be like, okay, once he's underwater, there's a there's a there's, there's a an unseen timer that counts down. I don't even know was was there an actual timer in the game? I don't recall. I think for the last thirty seconds there was a timer. Um. I think, and I could be wrong. If anybody knows, you know, uh, send us a message on the Facebook page. Um, But yeah, it's, it's. Should we say, should we say how you get out of that? Yeah. Uh, Again, you know, like with with the movies we reviewed, these are all, all, you know, if if you haven't played Monkey Island by now, come on, get, get a hold of yourself. Um, how do you get out of it? The, the humor of it. Yeah. You know, because the, again, they, they try and fake you out with all those sharp objects thinking, obviously you need to use one of these swords. If you could only reach them. It, it's the, it's the soul. It's like soul. 
Mm-hmm. It's you pick up the thing and walk away. Yeah, you, you, you pick the heavy ball and chain that's weighing you to the ground. You literally click pick up ball and chain and he lifts it as though it's light as a feather and, and you just walk, walk up the stairs walk up the stairs because he's he's literally he can climb up one step but he can't go any further mm-hmm. and i think those those kind of things you know was a wink and a nod to to the people who like overthought these things yes you know it all of the puzzles are simplistic in their um i don't say simplistic in their solution once you once you go through them and realize what it is you go oh, oh. Because you've picked up the pot, you've stewed the meat, you've, you know, now what do I do? Uh, oh, yeah, I gotta feed the book, you know, and yeah. it just... Oh, and now you have to walk across the island and talk to a guy in some back room and then give him... <laughs> yeah, it's, well, and it's, it's a brilliant type of game for overthinkers, because there's a lot of overthinking you have to do, but at the same time... About every third decision, they, they, they give you a red herring, and it's like, no, you can't overthink it at all. It's the most obvious solution in the world. And Definitely. so they move back and forth, and it really does teach you to think outside the box. And, and yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing, too. It's um, how does the three trials work, right? And I know it sounds like I'm jumping, but, well, you've got to beat the Swordmaster. Right. What's well, a point-and-click game? How do you beat... You got to insult them. Yeah, you got to learn your insults. You got to uh, learn your insults, and that—that that was my favorite. That was personally, hands down, my favorite part of the do game. Do you still remember? I the remember insults. a handful of them. It's uh, like you fight like a dairy farmer. Well, how appropriate! You fight like a cow. Uh, yeah, and I think that's the only one I can remember off the top <laughs> of my head. Um, uh, I, yeah, I can't remember a well, lot. And of them. you would—you would meet these pirates on the island. There's there's an overhead view of the island you yeah. go to when you would leave a town or a section. And for most of the game, when you're looking at the island, you don't see anything. But during the part where you're supposed to be learning to sword fight, all of a sudden you see all these dots People. moving around and yeah. it's pirates you can go interact with. And you meet them in the dark road and you decide that you say, yeah, I want to fight you. And uh, you actually have to lose battles to get better yeah. because you're listening for what they say and you're picking up their insults and learning them so that when you bump into more people, you then you're kind of building your vocabulary. Yeah. It's, it's kind of it's it's a uh, major. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to wait. You have to. I mean, and you may go through twenty or thirty battles before one of them will say the magic words. Wow, you seem good enough to fight the swordmaster. And, I and think then what, you're ready. The, the the one thing about it too was um, when you complete, when you finally kill the swordmaster. Oh, not kill when you when you defeat the swordmaster. And and the fact that it's a woman, uh, yeah. which I thought was great because yeah. they, they're talking about this uh, swordmaster and how, uh, well, I guess, do they, do they, I guess when you're training with the training guy, he mentions that the swordmaster is a girl. I think so. And, and that was good. That was good too, because uh, back then you didn't have any female positive characters in, mm-hmm. in video games. They were all damsels in distress. Yeah. And I think, uh, governor Molly definitely was a character who's like, she, okay. She was stereotyped into being the, the not stereotyped. She was she was written to be the damsel in distress mm-hmm. who did not want to be the damsel in distress. Yes. Damn it! And I'm gonna do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And like you know, even at the end of the game, the hero comes in to save her, and she's mad because he screwed up her plans of escape. Right? She'd already figured it out. Yeah. You know. Um. Now, while we were talking, I decided to uh, cheat a little bit. Um. Some and I can't see your screen, so I don't know what you're doing. Okay, I've spoken with apes more polite than you. Mm. Uh, I'm glad to hear you attended your family reunion. Yes. <laughs> uh, soon you'll be wearing my sword like a shish kebab. Uh, first, you better stop waving it like a feather, feather duster. duster. Here, give me one and let me see if I can remember the response to it. Nobody has ever drawn blood from me and nobody ever will. You run that fast? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, have you stopped wearing diapers yet? Oh, gosh. Have you stopped wearing diapers yet? I can't remember that one. Why, you want to borrow one? Yes. Um, there are no words for how disgusting you are. Uh, yes, there are. You just haven't learned them yet. You make me want to puke. Um, oh, I'm, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I, I, can't, I don't know it. Uh, you make me think somebody already did. Oh, yeah. And my favorite, well, my favorite one aside from uh, Fight Like a Dairy Farmer was, I got this scar on my face during a mighty struggle. Uh, something about picking your nose. Yeah, I hope you learn to stop picking your nose. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, oh, and you know, being in like the fourth grade, you just thought yeah. those were the greatest things in the world. You're on the playground the next day just being like, hey, you fight like a dairy farmer. And they're like, like, what? Like <laughs> <laughs> it's this game I'm playing. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's one of the things, you know, I, I keep saying one of the things, but I mean, 
you didn't have that in any other games. I mean, Street Fighter, right, was released around about the same time, mm-hmm. and it was full on combat. And the only things that you had at the end was everybody going, you are too weak to challenge me. Come back all yeah. serious, brr. And these were like, you know, hey, we're gonna, if we're going to fight, we're going to fight, but we're going to have fun doing it. Exactly. You know? And when you actually fight the Swordmaster, mm-hmm. it's the same. I mean, it's the same way as, as you go through it, but. She uses completely different insults. Yes. But all you have are your catalog of responses, but there are responses that will work. And so you're, again, having to think outside the box. Exactly. And and they do give you a little hint because they, maybe not throw a word or two in there from the, from the original insult, but like, it's the same theme, mm-hmm. you know? So like, you know, in, instead of you fight like a dairy farmer, it's something along, you know, I, don't, I don't know exactly what, hang on, it might be in here. Uh... <laughs> Well, and I love that when you find her, you know, again, you have to fi- you have to use the shopkeeper and you've got to get him to talk about uh, what's her name, Carla, the swordmaster. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you've got to go to the shopkeeper in town and get him to reminisce about Carla. And he'll be like, oh, well, fine. I'll go talk to her. Don't you dare follow me. And yeah. he slams the door. Wait, and wait. then you've got. Yeah. <laughs> and so you've got to open the door and follow him all the way across the island and then through the woods. And it's very complicated getting through the woods. And then you finally get to her, like, house. She's got a little shack in the middle of the woods. And she's all, like, standing there like, oh, dude, will you stop bothering me to the shopkeeper? And he's like, but I love you or whatever. And then he, you know, sods off. And then uh, and then it's like, hey, I'm Gobber Shreefo. Do you want to buy a fine leather jacket? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that right there is is my, f- that's one of my favorite video game catchphrases of all time. I'm selling mm-hmm. these fine leather jackets. Yes. I, I, and I've told people that before, like, why it doesn't make sense i know that's mm-hmm. the whole point of it it's it's a pirate selling a leather jacket mm-hmm. it's just so random and goofy it's just one of those things that you know when there's a lull in, uh, not a lull in the conversation but somebody said something awkward and stupid it's like yeah well i'm selling fine leather jackets you mm-hmm. know it's just it's just something you can do um real quick no one will ever catch me fighting as badly as you do oh you run that fast yeah, exactly. So it's you're having to apply those insults you've learned to the the new situation. What do you remember? What she gives you when you beat the swordmaster? What's your What's your proof to the pirate lords? It's a t-shirt. And what does it say? It's no. So it's something along the lines of I beat the swordmaster, and all I got was this t-shirt. Yeah. But the, the, what, now, what are the three trials? Okay, you have to. Uh, it's uh, to be a pirate. You've got to master swordplay, so, thievery, thievery. And the treasure hunting. And treasure hunting. Yeah. And when you solve all three of those, what do you get? T-shirts. T-shirts. So let's say I mastered thievery. Yeah. I'm, I mastered swordplay and, and I mastered treasure hunting. Again, foreshadowing that you're at a theme park. Ah. Yeah. Because T-shirts that say those things would not have existed back then. True. And, and here's the other thing too, right? And that's another bit that I love about um, when you beat the Swordmaster. You get the T-shirt. Mm-hmm. You go back to, to, to the Mighty Pirate. And it's like, all through the game, it's like, Swordmaster. Who? The Swordmaster. He say, I beat the Swordmaster. Here's my T-shirt. Ah, oh, great. Just throw the T-shirt on the plow. We've got hundreds of them. It's like, exactly. really? <laughs> well, and, and again, that's, that's working at a theme park. That would have been exactly how yeah. that would have gone. It's like, okay, thank you. You got your t-shirt. Very good. Here's your little badge. Now go on and do your next adventure. Well, okay. Here's the other thing too, right? And, and, and now it's kind of like percolating in my mind. The, um, okay. You have Otis, Meat Hook, and uh, Clara. They, they join him on, on the voyage, right? They, they get on Say the ship. Say that again. Otis, Meat Hook, and Clara join him. Ca- yeah. Um, yeah. On, on the, the ship. On- and they just sit there sunbathing. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Then when they get there... Guybrush leaves him, leaves all three of them on the island. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. It's like, hey, I made these three friends. Well, they're not doing anything. Okay, see you later, guys. And I'm going to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting Easter egg. Oh, I say Easter egg. It, it comes out in the second uh, uh, game. That um, okay. I can't, I can't pronounce his name. Let me let me pull up. Herman T- Toothrot. Herman Toothrot. Herman Toothrot is actually uh, Marley, uh, Governor Marley's grandfather. Hmm. And he was he was the original governor of Melee Island, disappeared thirty years ago with you know, the easiest cop up when it comes to sea amnesia, and then um becomes uh, Herman Toothrot. And when when he comes back at the end of I think it's either the end of the second game or the end of the third game, and I and I read this this morning, um he it's actually no, he's actually the, the true governor of the Tri Island area. Okay. And so Elaine gives up the role of governor to her grandfather, mm-hmm. uh, who's been, you know, who, who went through all the LeChuck problems and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
So um, that's that's a, that's a nice you know nice little little wrap up in kind of that storyline everything like that. But it does kind of again it does play to the childish fantasy of you know here my you know me and Elaine are friends. Blah, blah, we're going to theme park and then my grandfather takes over my job and now she has to go home. You know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. It it yeah. The more the more you think the more you think about it because I'd never heard that theory before today. Mm-hmm. And now the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like oh okay. Yeah, if you haven't, you should really download the second one, LeChuck's Revenge, and play it because it's totally... And, and, you, and I, again, I don't know if Steam has it to where you can switch back and forth between retro graphics and current yeah. graphics. I mean, definitely play through it with current graphics with definitely. the voice acting because LeChuck, you know, and all the voice acting is so good. And I don't know if you know, uh, we I tease uh, our band's driver, Vaz, about this all the time. You know, he is our D&D uh, DM and he yes. does voices, but he does an indistinguishable LeChuck voice. Really? And you know that voice that I'm talking yeah. about, that pirate LeChuck voice yeah. that's very dark, very raspy and groggy. And he does it very, very well. And, and every time he does characters in our D&D campaign, I'm just like, man, you, have you never seen these games? You need to go play these. Uh, <laughs> well, no, he, he, could be, he could be a good voice for those games. Um, no, it's, it's one of, again, you know, one of... Um, it does have some 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 problems, right? And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too difficult, you know, too too much into it because the good outweighs the bad. And they did they did you know, the game did show stereotypes of 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 things that now in, in 2018 mm-hmm. we don't think is cool, like um, uh, the cannibals that they met, mm-hmm. you know. And and it was wrong then; it's wrong now. But we now know it's wrong. We didn't know it was wrong then, mm-hmm. you know. And um. But the the other way of doing it too is you know they um it was a stereotype but not a I don't want to say offensive because that's the wrong word but it was a stereotype but it was you know not intended to be an insult does that make sense No it was more like they were trying to pay homage to like yeah. the tropes of pirate pirate themes piracy yeah yeah and all that and so when they were doing their like oh well. Pirates interacted with cannibals and things like that. And, and again, it was also touched on in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah. You know, the, uh, I can't remember which of the sequels it was, but there was that cannibal. I think, I think it was the second one where there was the cannibal tribe. And again, that was a callback to the Monkey Island games. Yeah. Um, and, and do you remember in the Pirates of the I don't know which the Pirates, if you've seen all the Pirates I've, of the Caribbean I've seen movies. two or three of them. I think it's the second one where they go and they meet the voodoo woman, but they're in a swamp and they're paddling in yeah. these boats. And it's like in a tree hut that's like on some bald cypress trees or something like yeah. that. But and, in the if you remember the voodoo woman in the first Monkey Island game, she's in town and you kind of go into her shop and that's where you get the rubber chicken with the pulley yes. in the middle. Um but in the second game, LeChuck's Revenge, she's in a swamp and you have to actually get in a boat yeah. and paddle. And I remember seeing that in the Pirates movie and going, this is straight out of Monkey Island, too. <laughs> this is straight out of Monkey Island. I think I think you, you touched on it. And I think that's, that's probably the way that not necessarily paying homage, but they would be homeless with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because it, it wasn't intended to be it wasn't intended to be malicious. No, 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 no. I thought it was great. And and like we mentioned earlier, they did do some positive things in terms of, you know, like for that, this is the first game that had a lot of strong female characters mm-hmm. that your job wasn't to rescue. Mm-hmm. Well, hang on a minute, but you had to rescue Elaine. Yeah, but if you follow the game through, you realize at the end of it, when you go to rescue her, that you didn't need to rescue her. She had it all in hand. She yeah. knew what she was doing. And I do believe in sequels to that game, she does become, a, like, she is portrayed as a competent sword fighter. Yeah. She, you, she does take over a lot of the plot at some point. In fact, in game three, they had to, I don't want to say eliminate her, but... um. She was overshadowing, her, you know, she, she'd grown, she'd had such a large fan base at this mm-hmm. that they kind of, they wrote her character to be a statue for the whole game. Yeah. Where she, you know, she was, cur- she was cursed and a lot of people didn't like that. They, all, yeah. they thought it was, you know, oh really, we're going to, we're going to do this. And, it, and again, I, I think that was a mistake on one hand, but on the other hand, unless they were trying to do the game, not necessarily two player, but two main characters. You know, mm-hmm. you do some things with Garbrush, some brush things with Elaine. I understand how they had to get the attention off of one of them to put the other one forward. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people thought, well, you know, why did you do it to the guy? But I mean, again, it's like Zelda. It's like a lot of things. The, the series, because while, while these guys might be competent characters, while these guys might be beloved by their fan bases, the series isn't about them. It's still about Garbrush. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I think I think. One of the reasons I think why he's such a beloved character is because he is so bewilderingly incompetent. Mm-hmm. 
and he always ends he always ends up on you know he always gets it right eventually right because again the game is designed in a way where you can't fail yeah and so I think there's a comfort in that for a lot of the gamers is they're like, I can I can do this. I can mess up. And then it's just it's good. You can restart the conversation, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it, I, I think it was either the first game or the second game. I don't remember. There's a beach scene where you can again, option three or four of talking is usually just to derail into yeah. humor. But there was either a Star Wars quote or an Indiana Jones quote. You could ask, like, these aren't the droids you're looking yeah. for or and the characters, the NPCs would respond with quotes from either a Star Wars or an Indiana Jones movie. And because it's, and, and it, I remember at that age, you know, crossovers weren't really a thing. No. And so the fact that I'm sitting here playing a pirate game and they're literally quoting Star Wars or Indiana Jones to me uh, was one of the greatest things that you could see as a kid and that they yeah. would do it. And and then when you look at the game and see Lucas arts and you go, oh, right. Well, it's George Same Lucas. People. So they can do that with Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And I think I think that's that that that's a good thing as well. I mean, this game did have a lot of crossover itself. Like, OK, the uh, the main theme, right? The pirate reggae. Mm -hmm. um, that was actually if you've ever played a game called Thrillville, which again was made by uh, Lucas Arts. Um, what on the pirate on pirate world, because it's a theme park. Uh, on Pirate World, you hear constantly the the pirate reggae song mm -hmm. as kind of the, as kind of the overhead music and everything for that you know part of the park. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things you know that, that that was really really good, not just the crossovers, but the fact that at the time, Lucasfilms, LucasArts, whatever you want to call it, George Lucas's production house, they had a lot of goodwill from the people. Mm -hmm. You know, Star Wars was still Star Wars. You know, mm -hmm. you could, you could never say a bad word about Star Wars back in early nineteen. Yeah, in because it had permeated our culture to the degree it has now. Yeah, Indiana Jones was just coming, th yeah, was coming through, and that was a great, great series. Yeah, it was right during the time of uh, Indiana Jones: Last Crusade. Yeah. so they were tying off the trilogy. And I think didn't now I, I could be wrong in this. Didn't Lucas have something to do with ET? Um, ET was Spielberg, and Spielberg and Lucas were very close buddies. So I'm sh I. I if not directly, then definitely yeah. indirectly. So, you know, they had a lot of a lot of things that then were absolutely beloved. Now, E.T. is still beloved. Indiana Jones kind of lost its steam after the god-awful fourth movie a couple of years ago. Yeah. With a nuclear bomb in the fridge. And I'll be completely honest, I've not seen any of the new Star Wars the last couple of years. Except Are you talking for, about the, the latter with, trilogy? Yeah, this. except with the exception of Rogue One. I thought Rogue One was a fantastic movie. I think Rogue One is the, in my opinion, it's the best of any of the ones that have come out in the last few years. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I'll go so far as to say it's probably the second best movie in that universe that has been released. Okay. Because of the fact that it ended on, again, it ended on a down note, mm -hmm. but with hope. And I think, you know, uh, the same thing with The Empire Strikes Back. It ended on a down note, but with hope. Well, that's what, I mean, Empire, you know, being the middle part of a trilogy, that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to end part two in, with a dire need for resolution. Yeah. And I think they messed up that with Lord of the Rings because, you know, they, they didn't end Lord of the Rings part two with with desperate situation on whole. Yeah. And what, and I remember watching uh, Two Towers in the theater and uh, I remember uh, them being at Helm's Deep and, you know, seeing the, the 10,000 orcs approaching. Yeah. And like, I'm like, this is where it needs to end. Is it yeah. going to end? And then realizing, oh, God, they're they're going to do this whole battle. Like, yeah. wow. All right, let's but do then, this. Then again, they couldn't have, they couldn't have done that on the third movie, though, because then you had two big battles. Yeah. Three big battles that would have dominated them and just. But then again, they, they recorded like 12 million years of footage for that, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that it holds the record for most mileage of uh, film. Film editors. shot, yeah. I think it's like something like 385 miles worth of film. Mm. One of, another criticism that I have, right? And it's, it's not necessarily a criticism, criticism, but <sighs> there are a lot, a lot of cutscenes. Mm -hmm. And I get that that was a way to push the plot forward. But it was just, it, for my taste, it was just a little too much. You know, just a, just maybe if it took if it took four hours through the game, maybe five. You had at least forty minutes of cutscene, and to me, that's just too much. Okay. Um, but then again, they they, they had no other way of doing it mm -hmm. back then. Um, because I mean, I don't know, because it was a point and click thing. You couldn't just advance to the next thing. You had to have an explanation as to why the next thing was coming. Mm -hmm. And I guess that was the only way that they could do it was through the use of cutscenes. But again, they were just a little too long for me, mm -hmm. personally, you know? Um, but yeah, aside from that, man, this, this is, the, for lack of a better this is a perfect game. Yeah. Especially for the era that it was, for the era it was made, it was a perfect game. Now it might seem a little bit old-fashioned old and everything like that, but I mean, 
yeah going back to the going back and trying to actually play the original cut of the game uh, uh my, my son xander uh he's 11 now but he was probably like eight or nine when i showed him the the remastered versions and he loved them the replay value i mean it yeah. still holds up to this generation again with the voice acting and all that yeah. stuff now he powered right through them and loves them but i remember switching him back to the gra- the original graphics and going hey try and play through it like this and he, after a minute he was just like that's not happening and and <laughs> i think i think modern modern technology but see here's the other thing too right i think and, and this goes for a lot of the games that we've, we've spoken about and we will speak about. It was made at the right time. Mm-hmm. You couldn't make a point-and-click game, even with the graphics, even with the voiceovers today, and it gain any kind of, of traction, love, or even respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, I don't even know what your market would be. You know, I mean, you could try and do, uh, you know, a retro nostalgia and try yeah. and hit people our age that grew up on that. But I mean, if you did it for the kids today, I would think may- maybe as an educational game. But even then, like anything beyond like first graders would be wanting something more involved than that. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I have an 11 year old and I have a 13 year old and a 14 year old and a 16 year old and an 18 year old. <laughs> anyway, uh, but like, you know, my, my son will play Minecraft and he loves Minecraft. Fair enough. But then when he plays other games, you know, he's playing uh call of duty mm-hmm. which i'm not i'm not a fan of him playing call of duty at 11 years old but you know what it shuts him up uh <laughs> and he and he's he, he's not very good at it anyway um but i tried i tried sitting down a couple of months ago with uh oddworld the okay brand, the brand new oddworld with with the control pad and making me use the keyboard and mouse and he was like no this isn't that good. And when I was his age when that came out I was like oh man this is one of the greatest games I've ever played mm-hmm. you know and even to this day um, so, you know, I, th- I think you're right. Educationally, I think if they convert it into an educate, a, a real educational game, mm-hmm. it kind of would have the same, I guess the same notoriety or the same, uh, cult following as, uh, the Oregon Trail has. Yeah. You know, um, but at the same time, one of the things about retro games being remade with the modern graphic is that now the younger generation are playing are playing them and realizing that they were good games which kind of bothers me a little bit because now this generation of gamers seems more interested in the graphics than the actual core element of the game yeah um you only got to look at super mario Mm -hmm. um super mario brothers wii and super mario brothers U. Mm -hmm. they were essentially the same game as super mario brothers Mm -hmm. with maybe one or two little extra features that you put in there but at the same time it's get from one side of the screen to the other by jumping but you put Mario, the Super Mario Brothers on in front of them, and they're like, what's going on here? You know, and, but it's the same game, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that was one of the, that, that was, uh, you know, another thing. Um, all these games that, that came out on the Amiga, that came out on PC, DOS, even in the old Mac series. Yeah. You know, they're now remaking them for, 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 this, genera- for this generation of consoles and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And they're getting rave reviews and their reviews are better than when they originally came out. Well, and it's interesting to me that, yes, you give them graphical upgrades, you upgrade the audio, but to me, the, the discussion becomes, do the mechanics need an upgrade yeah. to keep it relevant and engaging for the kids today? And, and at what point do you change it so much that it really, you start to lose the people that played it the first time around and liked it the way it was? I think the, I think the biggest example is Crash Bandicoot. Okay. Uh, when they redid when they redid the Crash Bandicoot series, they gave it a gal upgrade. They gave it a slight mechanical upgrade. Um, the first initial testers were kids from this generation, you know, who who play all these games on the hardest difficulty and stuff like that. Because remember, a lot of these games didn't have difficulty settings. Yeah. You know, it was just whatever. Just hard. <laughs> yeah, it was it was hard, and 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 the way you you beat them was you just kept going until you either threw the game off the window or you know you, you, you called you your older it. cousin down the street yeah. to come over and beat that one part that you can't beat. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's, it's Peebles, <laughs> love you, brother. Uh, but, um, so they 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 give this bunch of they, they give these bunch of kids maybe you know fourteen years old playing the Crash Bandicoot and they were like, oh well, this game's all right, but it's like way too easy. So they cranked up the difficulty. And then nobody in that generation necessarily went out and purchased it, but it was our, you know, our generation that did. Mm-hmm. And we played the game. It's like, oh man, I remember the game. Yeah. And the first time you play it, it's like, wait, what? What have you done? You know, they cranked the difficulty up so so hard. So, on the one hand, these games are a lot easier 
than what the, what easier to what you have now. But I think that's and again that's another reason because games have evolved as much because this was probably the biggest game of his generation in mm-hmm. terms of scope. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, I mean, you know, me and Greg have mentioned it while we've been on here. We follow um, uh, a guy called Slack on on uh, YouTube who does a Lascarum video, and he's put like four hundred hours of videos up there, and he hasn't even touched all of the content. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just one game. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, you could maybe do, you know, maybe do ten hours. It, it's maybe ten hours worth of gameplay. Mm-hmm. And you've touched every single square inch of the game. Mm-hmm. So, God, it felt like so much longer when you were. Oh kid. yeah, well, I, I felt like I lost months on that game. It, time, I, I figured this out as I've got all time moves faster as you get older. Yeah. Oh, okay. like we're already in November. Mm-hmm. I still remember January. Like, you know how clear. I can tell it's November? Your facial hair. There you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dexter is the only person, by the way. The slight tangent. Dexter is the only person outside of my wife and kids. Who have seen the uh, the awesomeness that I'm growing right now? Uh, I'll probably post something in the week. Maybe, maybe not. I don't it's, know. It's it's it definitely. Uh, I'm I'm seeing potential. Yeah, I'm it's, seeing it's, potential. It's 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 Hulk Hogan esque. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, no. I like I said. I think this is for what for for its time. It's a ten out of ten game, and the remake is definitely a nine out of ten. Yeah, if um, you if you if you played it when you were a, a kid, you will love the remaster. Um, it it. It gives you upgrades in all the right places, yep. um, but it updates it to the point where you you are drawn back into it. it um, and if you haven't ever played the game, uh, it's definitely worth a play. It is definitely worth a play. Now, while uh, while I, while I've got this up, I'm going to go ahead and uh, help you guys out who've never played it. Here we go. The first three Monkey Island games are available on Steam. Uh, you said the first three? The first three. Oh. Secret of Monkey Island, the special edition. Uh-huh. Secret of Monkey Island 2, the special uh, special edition Monkey Island 2, the Chuck's Revenge. Mm-hmm. And the Curse of Monkey Island. The Curse of Monkey Island is available for it is Apple available. and Microsoft. Okay, so now I can finally go back. And my son will be excited because he's played all of them except that one. Uh, the, the first and second games are 10 bucks a piece, whereas the Curse of Monkey Island is only 7 bucks. Oh, wow. Okay. As, as of- Interesting. As of Tuesday, the 15th of November. I wonder if they upgraded the third one at all. Because, I th- again, I think with that one being the first one with voice acting and cell shading, they probably didn't think it merited an upgrade at the time. They may have upgraded the resolution. Yeah, I think th- I think it was just, um, they, they've made it high def by the looks of things. Now, there, were, there was a fourth and I think possibly a fifth after that. Yeah. But that's when they moved into 3D. Yeah. And I, I, I totally was not on board with that. It felt very different. Um, it, yeah, because I mean, it was you know the, the whole point of it was it was it was well actually you know I'll I'll go even further. Monkey Island Three wasn't it also went into three D, but you were still at the center of the screen, you yeah. know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Monkey Island Four went full on three D, and that's I think it was where, a, was that Escape from Monkey Island. I think so. I think so. I can tell you exactly. It's one of the great things about having the internet when you're old. <laughs> and I will say one thing. Uh, there's a game. It may be on Steam if you want to look for it, uh, but it's definitely on the PlayStation Network. And I was showing this. My, my girlfriend's actually playing through this game right now. But if you like the Monkey Islands hot type of game, there is a game that came out a few years ago called The Cave. And it is an exact style of game like that to the point where they actually there is an, an Easter egg in that game. There is a grog Coke machine in that game nice just to throw back to hey for those of y'all that played monkey island like this is for you guys if you want to play the cave that's available on windows apple and steam network that is 14.99 for the game and four bucks for the dlc you should definitely play the cave it's very easy to get there it's cool because uh you start out with seven characters and you have to pick three to play the game with So, so there's replay value and each one of them has a separate skill uh, and what you do is you go through this cave, which is, again, it's kind of like an amusement park and it's nerfed. So you, you can't do anything wrong. Yeah. Um, but each of the characters has their own subsection of the cave that you can only go into and solve their portion of the puzzle with them as a character that you're playing. Oh. So there's replay value. You can do different combinations of characters, but it's also kind of that, uh, you know, that game Trine that came out a few years ago where you've got three different types of characters and you've got to use the combination of those character skills to get through the level. Uh, it's very much the same way you 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 push a button to switch between which character you're controlling, okay. and so you might have to move a character to one part of the cave, and then have another one be over here to pull a lever so that you can open a door with a third person. If it's a very easy game, fun game, and it's it's it makes you feel like you're playing Monkey Island. Sweet. And the thing is, I'm I'm looking right now. Um, I've got the Steam page pulled up for the cave, mm-hmm. and it's actually made by Ron Gilbert. 
Il- the really? Godfather, the Godfather of Monkey Island. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so, that, that, that so there it is. Where, where so it is. A, a spiritual successor, exactly. If you will. And, and judging by your glowing review, he hasn't lost his touch. No, the cave is very, very, it has excellent replay value. I've played it multiple times again, and, and you pick different characters each time you play it and you get a different experience. All right. That is added to the wish list. All right, guys, that is basically it for right now on Monkey Island because we could be here for another full five, six, seven hours because <laughs> it is such a great game and a great series. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a few more things coming up. Uh, don't go away. We will get to it here in just a minute. <laughs> guys we're almost done for today but um you know we just got a few more things to do if you are on social media look up facebook twitter tumblr look at because maybe pod um i've actually come up with a plan this time and we're actually going to be moving forward with that if you're on youtube apple podcast spotify we also have full episodes on there and on our youtube channel we have a whole bunch of other things that you know you can't really find on the podcast like for example videos of sample episodes uh walkthroughs uh john's commentary stuff like that now um, I'm a bit of a collector. Uh, I'm now up to two out of four. Uh, what that means is, uh, as you may or may not know, Dexter is actually also in the holodex along with Greg. Um, if you're new to the podcast or you haven't listened in a while, uh, you may not know that the uh, holodex are a 90s tribute band, and uh, Dexter is one of the uh, one of the main players. Well, you know, he's a uh, singer, guitarist. Uh, we've had Greg on here, who is a uh, bass player, gu- uh, not guitarist, singer. And in a couple of weeks, actually, Ben's going to be coming on as well, and we're going to be talking about the Viewers Universe. Which is, uh, oh, yeah, which is, uh, I don't know if, if that's a specialty or not because, uh, he's gonna have to carry a lot of that load. Uh, rats. No, he, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, Mallrats, Mallrats was actually my introduction to Stan Lee as far as being a person and putting a face with the name and all oh, that. Right, but cool. no, Ben definitely has a lot more, uh, Viewisk Universe lore and knowledge in his brain than I do. I, I can talk about Clerks, Chasing Amy, and Dogma. Yeah, dog, Dogma, Mallrats, and Chasing Amy are kind of the three. The The other ones I've really only seen maybe once each. Oh, I love Clerks. Uh, but I, I mean, I, Mallrats and Dogma and Chasing Amy I owned on DVD, and I used to watch those a lot. But. I, I've actually got Chasing Amy on DVD, and I watched it re- before I started working. Uh, I'd watch it religiously when the, when the kid, because it's such a really, really well-written movie. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, going back to what, what I was saying originally is that, um, like I said, I've got uh, a lot of the guys on. We're going to put a lot of uh, information in the description below. I say below, we're not necessarily on YouTube, but if you, like, are on Apple Podcasts, you'll see description of what this week is and a whole bunch of links. We're going to put in, uh, information for the Facebook page and uh, the website of the Holodex. And do you guys have anything coming up in uh, future gigs? Uh, solo Yeah, again, the holodex.com slash tour. Uh, we try and keep our schedule as updated as I can, uh, although we're in the middle of changing webmasters, so there may be a little bit of, of hiccup there in the next week or so, just kind of getting everything updated. But uh, yeah, we, we, we play pretty heavily. Most weekends we're playing. Uh, we try and do local shows at least once a month, um, but a lot of times we're traveling to uh, Houston or the Dallas area or Arkansas, Mississippi. Um, we actually just booked a week in Key West, Florida, uh, for January. Nice. So that'll be fun. Um, and it's a great time to, to go to Key West from what I understand. This will be my first trip down to Key West, uh, and the first trip of our van, uh, <laughs> driving <laughs> to Key West, which is about, from what I understand, anywhere from 26 to 30 hours of driving. Oh. I've been told by someone that lives in Miami that it's five hours past Miami, Good Lord. which, and a lot of that is on a, a bridge, which I'm slightly terrified about so, uh, so because be I've watched True Lies <laughs> too many times. I'm just going to be looking for a helicopter the whole time and a, and a limo that's out of control. Uh. Uh, but uh, yeah, coming up, uh, now we've got a show at the Tiki Bar and Grill uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, which is Sweet. kind of our home base show. We always love to go and do shows there. Um, I think tickets are $10 at the door. Uh, and then we've got a couple of Christmas shows coming up. Um, some New Year's uh, with New Year's uh, show at the Remington Hotel. And then we uh, actually this just went up um, January 4th is the Party Gras uh, big event at the Horseshoe River Dome. We're going to be one of the co-headliners there. Uh, tickets are available on Facebook. Um, pretty much you can find, I can't remember the website of, of where they are, but I mean, you can, we've linked the event on our Facebook. Um, and I'm always doing little solo acoustic gigs, uh, around town locally. Uh, you can follow, uh, me on Facebook or, uh, Twitter, um, 
Instagram and that kind of thing. And I'll, I'll always pop up an event usually for, I mean, a lot of them are just little fill in pop up gigs around town, but, uh, the ones that, you know, are fun to come and watch, not just me uh, playing background music for some people eating, but, uh, <laughs> the ones that are actually fun where I get to tell some stories and play some original music. Uh, I'll always put those up on Facebook or, or uh, Instagram for people to see. Sweet. And guys, if you haven't seen the whole decks yet, I can, I can personally attest to you that these, these guys put a lot of effort into what they do. It's not just an, it's not just another band. It's not just another show. Uh, these guys are super, super, super professional in what they do, and uh, they sound fantastic, they play fantastic. Um, a lot of things that you remember from the 90s musically, some things you may have forgotten, but are still fantastic, and you will have a good time, I, I, I can assure you. If, and if you don't believe me, trust me. Trust me. That's my favorite part of the show usually is when, you know, we uh, will play a song that someone's forgotten about and you get to look out and see them realize like, oh, I love this song. Uh, and then there's that light in their eyes. That's always my favorite part is because then I was like, OK, well, for the next three minutes, this person's going to have a good time. Yeah. So that is that is it for this week, guys. Dexa, thank you very much for coming on. We have an open invitation uh, for, for you to come on by. It um, was my pleasure. And uh, no, I'm happy to come in and talk again. I think there there's some more video games and uh or movies or whatever that I'd, I'd love to come and just explode vomit of words all over your <laughs> microphone and, and i'm actually working on season five right now on getting the uh the information together too so i'm i'm show you that here in a minute again another sneak peek uh but guys if you were like i said if you were on facebook twitter tumblr look us up uh, i will post information in the podcast description for the holodex and i'll also post it on the facebook page as well Next week's show, uh, we're going to keep up with the Holodex theme. Uh, we have uh, Greg coming back on, but here's the problem. I haven't, we haven't decided what we're doing yet. So who knows what the heck we're going to be doing. Uh, <laughs> so, But uh, guys, until then, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Um, prepare for turkey, because apparently it's turkey day. I don't know what it means, but oh well. I just know we're getting turkey. So uh, you guys have a great week. Have a great weekend, and we will see you next week. <laughs>